Hi, and welcome to Elevate Potential. I'm so glad that you're here. This is a podcast that is designed to help you escape patterns, embrace passion, and elevate potential. My name is Elizabeth Perry, and as a lifelong student of psychology, personal development, and human potential, as well as a transpersonal life and leadership coach, I will be your guide as together we learn from others who are on this journey. Let's dive in. I realized as a young child, probably around kind of six or seven years old, that I wasn't exactly like the others. I wasn't exactly like other kids in my classroom. And what I mean by that, of course, some references were shared, but there would also be cultural references that I would feel there'd be a gap, right? I'd be like, oh, actually, I don't speak about that with my parents or no, we haven't done that last weekend. We were doing something completely different. Hi, and welcome to Elevate Potential. Today I am with Fiorenza. I am so excited to be doing this interview because we had met on LinkedIn too long ago, honestly. And I'm just so honored and excited to be talking with her in person. So Fiorenza actually speaks three different languages, English, French, and Italian. Today, our episode is going to be in English, but if you speak French or Italian and you want to get coached by her, she is fluent in all three. She's also an experienced coach with more than 500 hours of coaching. She's a cross-cultural trainer and mindfulness teacher. She leverages her 10-year corporate experience in a fast-paced environment to create fully personalized development plans to maximize your true potential. Welcome, Fiorenza. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I'm so happy that we finally got to meet up virtually thanks technology and do this episode together. And thank you for the introduction. That's very kind. So I was born in France, Paris, and this is where I grew up as well. So all my formative years have been in France. I have Italian and Turkish heritage. I do know a little bit of Turkish, but just as much as you need to get around as a tourist and like not get lost too much. (laughs) And I'm very good at Turkish restaurants as well. Anyway, so the Italian culture has been quite present growing up, yet I was growing up in France in a different country and it's always been a mix at home. And I realized as well that there were some traditions that my family created that actually were their own and they (laughs) didn't belong to whatever the French were or the Italian traditions were. And so fast forward a few years. So for my last year of university, I decided I wanted to study abroad. So do the classic exchange year program. So I ended up in the UK. And after that, I love being abroad. I love the experience and meeting new people and getting to really have a deep dive into a culture. I'm going to be honest here. I wasn't set in staying in the UK. When I finished studying, I just knew that I wanted to carry on being abroad. And it just kind of happened that I landed my first job in the UK and stayed in London. So I've been in London now for 11 years. So 11 years in London. What am I saying? It's my 12th year in London. (laughs) The past few years have honestly just been better. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I need to update my accounting there. (laughs) Well, I can relate in some ways in the sense that my family is Mexican, Spanish, and Native American. And so some of our dishes, it's like Navajo tacos. It's a blend of Mexican and Native American culture. And 
I think that it's amazing that you not only have you like lived in different countries, but you've like really experienced the culture. I wonder what that was like for you in terms of finding belonging throughout your life. Mm, this is such a great question. So I would say that I realized as a young child, probably around kind of six or seven years old, that I wasn't exactly like the others. I wasn't exactly like other kids in my classroom. And what I mean by that, of course, some references were shared, but there would also be cultural references that I would feel there'd be a gap, right? I'd be like, oh, actually, I don't speak about that with my parents. Or no, we haven't done that last weekend. We were doing something completely different. So like tiny things like that, right? So of course, I guess now in retrospective, it feels small, but in the moment, it's not. And I didn't really know what to do with that because I'm an only child, so we are quite a close family in that aspect. And then kind of growing up, that feeling stayed with me. And in the teenage years, it may be kind of emphasized, right? Because I was like, okay, so now I'm getting to a level where you would meet friends of friends, right? Or you would meet people for the first time, other kids for the first time, and they'd be like, oh, where are you from? And that was just because of my name, right? So my name doesn't sound French, but to me, it was just my name, right? I was just used to that, like you would. But that question really kind of put me off each time. And for me, it was like really being told that I was different and that there was something about me that wasn't fitting in. So I'm lucky to say that I have also made great friends that have made me feel like I belonged in some groups. But there were also quite many moments where I was like, what's going on? Is this meant to be my space here? Yeah. I think especially in the teenage years, that's such a hard thing to be grappling with. And we had talked a little bit before coming into episode about some of the things that we learn in childhood from our parents or from our upbringing that once we become adults, we kind of start to reprogram some of these thoughts or ways of thinking. And not to say that our parents did anything wrong, but more so like they were doing the best that they could with what they had. And we are learning our own way of being so that we can really step into our true authentic selves. And I want I wonder for you, you know, in talking about growing up and your childhood, what were some of those things for you that maybe you learned that now in adulthood you're unlearning and starting to rewire? So this is an interesting point for me. So I'm going to try to, I guess, maybe answer in different parts. So I felt, and to your point, yes, always parents, you know, they do the best to their ability at one point in time and different points in time. I'm a little boy, so yes, definitely. And it's far to be perfect. (laughs) And I think in hindsight, the one thing that I struggled with probably growing up and I was not understanding my parents' angle was like, okay, so why didn't they try to do more of the local things, right? So the big things, yes, of course, right? But like, Why didn't they get more interested into the more specific thing, the more detailed things? I, for example, always also wondered why that circle of friends would be made of Italian people or just international people, right? And there weren't 
so many <laughs> French people there. And so that was something for me that always kind of kept bugging me. And when I moved to London, I did realize as you get to meet new people and start new friendship groups and all that, how as an expat or someone or an immigrant, it may be easier actually to connect with other international, with other folks that have had that shared experience. I also, I mean, similarly with other Brits that have lived abroad, I find that I find that there's more, there's way more ease to connect with them. So it did give me a lot of, I guess, just perspective in terms of, okay, maybe I was a little bit too quick to form an opinion when I was a teenager. (laughs) As we all are, you know, I think it's easier to have compassion for our parents as we get older looking back than when we're younger and we're in the thick of it and we don't understand. And I think that in some ways is the beauty of growing older and becoming friends with parents. And you talk a little bit about raising your own son and the process of becoming a parent yourself. And I wonder how that has brought up new things that you are working through. And you had talked a little bit before about deciding the things that you do want to pass on to him and the things that maybe you don't. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Thank you for asking. It is, well, I'll start with it's hard work. So beyond the cultural heritage elements, there's, of course, you know, my own motherhood stuff that I'm trying to break the patterns and not necessarily go to the default behavior that my parents have modeled because, of course, there's great thing that they did model. And they're also thing that I want to do a little bit different. And it's not easy. <laughs> it's also not easy to be fully. And at times I find it difficult to be fully in the moment when there are other things kind of going in my mind. So I'm going to give you, I guess, an example. So at home, my other half is French. So we speak French. When we speak to our son at home, we speak French. But then I also want to share the Italian language with him. And especially during the pandemic, because we were all working from home, it was very difficult for me to find those alone time where all of a sudden mommy would just speak in Italian, right? And for me, it was a little bit kind of exclusive to my other half to do that because sharing and kind of being all in the same conversation in the same space is quite important for me that I guess connection is one of my core value. And I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to find those moments and to speak in Italian as much as I was speaking in French and it was really stressing me out. (laughs) And so now I've come to terms with this and I'm at a stage where I've accepted that his French will be stronger than what his Italian is going to be. And I'm offering the opportunity. We found also some play group that we can go to. And there's also that kind of supporting me. It's not all on me. So I'm trying to find tools that can be supportive so that the time that I have with him can be of more quality and whatever feels natural in the moment. I can just go with that and let go of the pressures. So Still a work in progress, but it's getting better. I'm also trying to share as much as the cultural traditions that would be different. And thankfully, there are quite some shared traditions between the three cultures, so that's good. But for example, in the Italian culture, there's the Befana, who in January 
comes and brings presents or other things than presents to the children that have not behaved well during the year, right? So that's another topic, you know, in terms of do we want to, you know, the rewards and not rewards, but that's culturally what she does, right? And that's in January. So we passed the Santa Claus, all that. I've been including that into what we do and what we read. It's still very young, so there's still a lot of work to do and for me to kind of prepare and be mindful of what I want to share. But uh, yeah, that's how I'm trying to deal with all this. (laughs) Yeah, I can really relate to that. I hear that there's this challenge between like wanting to be really intentional, but then also wanting to be present. And I can feel that. I feel that same thing in my life often because... I think I have a really strong focus on intentionality, but then sometimes that takes me out of the moment and I'm trying to be intentional almost to a point where I'm being controlling. And that's a me thing. Like I'm definitely not trying to put that on you, but it has been a balance in my life that I'm trying to find. And I wonder, A, how you're finding that balance, but also has that been a theme throughout your career in life? So yes, I hear you. I can also easily switch into my top one saboteur, the hyperachiever. So I need to keep a strong eye out for the hyperachiever side of me, which in my case means I want to kind of, you know, be in control and pack as many things as I can <laughs> into whatever minutes in life. And, and oh my goodness. I can so relate to that. My boyfriend is always making fun of me. He's like, you don't need to pack Q-tips. We can pick them up at the store when we're there. So like literally I try to pack too many things into even just a suitcase. (laughs) So I would say what's been really helpful has been my mindfulness practice. And I can tell the days when I haven't managed to sit down and meditate for whatever reason, I can just feel how my inner peace is out of whack. And then that has an impact on how I'm interacting or even how I'm responding, reacting to stuff. My other half also can see that. (laughs) So it's good in a way because it's good for me to get that feedback, right? And yeah, so that's been definitely helpful. Yeah, definitely. And I'm always so surprised about how these conversations just like, you know, the universe brings who I need at the time because lately I've been working on like, when I get triggered in situations with my partner or what have you, it's not the tools in the moment that I need. It's what I do before I even get into that conversation. It's having a practice of mindfulness. And this is just such a good reminder of that because I think that triggers are so much easier to manage when you already have that inner peace established from the meditation earlier in the day than trying to get to inner peace when you're already triggered. And that's just my experience, but it's been coming up a lot lately. (laughs) Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, there's no chance I can manage to find whatever is triggering me in the moment if my starting point is so high, right? And kind of out of whatever reflective space I'm able to embody. It's just like that I'm too far gone, right? It's very much I find that having a regular mindfulness practice helps me be in the moment, but also have that step back real quick, right? Almost being in that observer seat real quick has something is happening. Then of course, the more you're tired or stressed, that all has an impact, right? On all that. But for sure, the mindfulness has been, has been a savior many times. 
Yeah, it sounds like mindfulness is what allows you to, in the moment, practice that balance between presence and intentionality, like allows you to dance fluidly through it rather than personally, when I'm not mindful, it feels very rigid. I feel very rigid. So that's beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing that. I want to transition a little bit just to talk about your career. I know that you had started in banking, you have tons of corporate experience, and you've transitioned from a space that's very left brain to a space that's very right brain, and then found a way to kind of incorporate both. I think that really speaks to this balance and also intentionality. And so I wonder for you, what was your journey through transitioning from banking to coaching and finding your purpose, which takes a lot of intentionality and presence? Thank you for linking this topic to intentionality and presence. I actually really appreciate the perspective. So I started working in investment banking out of university. And by the way, also when I was studying, I kind of went with the flow or rather whatever mentors or teachers that I respected and valued were recommending to me because I was the type of good student that would see herself being something every month, something different every month, right? So one month I wanted to be a vet, the next month a lawyer. So I had different phases, let's say. And so it was very hard for me to pinpoint what it was that I really wanted to do. And also, I think it kind of goes down to maybe how much you have explored or also maturity, right? Because in my educational system, in the one that I was kind of evolving, it's like at 18, 19, you have to make that choice. It's quite important for the future. So for the same reasons, I kind of fell into investment banking because that was one of the paths that what I studied. So I studied financial engineering and computer science at university. So something totally unrelated to my second career now in coaching. And, and so while I was working in banking and kind of going through the motions and I was doing well, right? I started in risk management and went on the business side of things. It was interesting, great experience. I've met great people and increasing responsibilities. And at the same time, I knew that it wasn't my universe, my world. I've met my other half through our work experiences. And I can totally say that it's his world. It's his thing, right? In the same way that coaching is my thing now. (laughs) And so it was quite early on. I was sure of that. But then because I was good at what I was doing and I didn't know what was my other thing, like what else could be there for me. It was quite difficult to manage at times, really kind of having self-generating, you know, this feeling of being lost, not sure what's your past, not sure what's your direction. And at the same time, things are going well. So it's almost like you can't enjoy what's going on because that's how you're really feeling. Mm. I needed to hear this. (laughs) Oh, it's just crazy how similar people can be all the way across the world because I can very much relate. You know, I'm perpetually indecisive in my current role. I really love the work that I'm doing, but I know that there's something more in terms of a purpose for me. And I think I host this podcast about finding your purpose, but I think that I'm still in that journey. And so I would love to hear from you. What sorts of things did you start doing in order to figure, like, kind of listen to that nagging of, hey, this isn't for you, 
and start to really dive into your purpose? Because I'm sure there were some sacrifices you had to make going from high profile executive and invest in baking to starting a whole different career. So what I did was I started to explore my right brain or, you know, what my right brain would say or what I do or wanted to explore. So that was really my purpose. There was nothing else behind it. I just wanted to be open of just kind of getting into different stuff, right? The sacrifices, I guess, twofold. The first one was my time. (laughs) And the second, my friends. Probably I have lost some friends in the process. And I think they were probably not the right friends for me. But of course, when you're in the moment and kind of living it, that also hurts, right? But now I'm fine with that because I do recognize that maybe this is a phase or a transition that many people go through, but not everyone will will go through that at the same time. And it feels hard when you're in it. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I can feel this conversation. You're speaking right to me. And I think what you say about friends is very similar. What could be true about the career too. It's like, it was for you for a time, just like the friends were for you for a time and taught you something like, you know, you talk about now using both your left and right brain as a coach, which I'm sure makes you a very dynamic coach, but there is a time where you do have to move on. And I think some people, me included at times have held on to things too long out of fear and not having the courage to let go and step into a new place. So what gave you the courage? How did you find that courage? So how did I find the courage to jump into coaching? Yeah, to start exploring your right brain, to let go of some of those friendships. You know, I'm sure that was all challenging. It's been progressive. It's been very much progressive and I couldn't not do it as well. I think it was probably kind of an inner drive. I had to do it. There wasn't another way. So at the time, I didn't know that I would end up quitting investment banking and doing something completely different. But I just wanted to see what else was out there for me that I could kind of find myself in. Yeah, maybe in a parallel universe. Maybe I'm an artist. Who knows? I don't know. (laughs) Wow. I love that. I just had to do it. I feel like we all get to that fork in the road where it's left or right. I want to thank you so much for sharing this journey that we have gone through about intentionality and presence and courage. I would love to hear what you're doing now and how people can connect with you, including me. How can I connect with you more? Because I just feel like we're long lost sisters. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So I'm a coach. I'm also a cross-cultural trainer and I'm also a mindfulness teacher. In, in my coaching, probably without too much of a big surprise, I love to work with people that are in a transition phase, whatever that means, wherever they are and whatever their background is, that that doesn't really matter. And the global element is quite important for me. And that is the case for leaders or kind of anyone that really connects with, okay, the cross-cultural piece the navigating through different cultures and how we can better ourselves in doing so. And where are we, right? In our 
leadership journey, but leader with a capital L. The other thing that I wanted to share is that I have a podcast as well, which is called the Belonging Project podcast. And by the way, I would love to have you as a guest (laughs) (laughs) where we talk about belonging and how we found belonging and how we struggle to find belonging and the different challenges on the road. And I think Very similarly to what you shared before we started the recording, it's been allowing me to grow and having conversation on that topic that matters so much to me, but that is also part of my work, right? So it's very much linking both my personal and professional journey. And thank you so much for asking me all those great questions today. A lot of reflective time for sure, but not just during this conversation, I think several of your questions are going to stay with me for the rest of the day. And I'll keep reflecting on that. (laughs) Well, same to you. I just think it's always so amazing how the universe brings you who you need when you need it. I'm in the middle of a potential move from Los Angeles to Arkansas, (laughs) which is a huge change. And part of it is making changes in order to set up a life that's more conducive to me following my purpose and making sacrifices in that process. And so just thank you so much. Sometimes you don't know the impact that you make on someone because it's all happening internally. And I think that often happens as coaches. And so just thank you for what you're doing in the world, for connecting with me. And I know that this won't be the last time that we chat. (laughs) Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Of course. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. As always, any books, links, or resources that were mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes for you to access. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment. We would love to hear from you. Or feel free to send us a direct message on Instagram at Elevate Potential Podcast if you would like to be a guest on this show. Finally, please subscribe and download episodes in order to support the community that we are creating of people who are working to elevate their potential together. Until next time.